where we're going to start this morning, uh, it is an interesting thing to try to figure out, okay, so here we have, we've had a couple of weeks of gathering, you know, the first week we gathered and we prayed together and we worshiped together and we had communion and I was so encouraged by that. And, uh, and then um, last week we had our commissioning service for Liv and I, and that was super encouraging and fun. And now it kind of feels like we're, we're kind of into this thing, right? Like now, what does this look like? Um, and so as I was thinking about that and pondering that, and most of all listening and praying about what to sort of, where to start, no pressure, right? <laughs> you know, there's something about setting the tone. And uh, this phrase came to my mind, um, and oh, well, yeah. The slide before, it's, it's cool. It says, come to the table. Actually, if you want to back up for just a second. I don't know if you guys can see this, but there's a bunch of pictures here of, along the top, it's like a bunch of old men kind of thing. And then down below, um, there is a whole host of life that's taking place. It's the top row are kind of like the, the apostles. And then down, bo- down below underneath is, oh, okay, yeah. That, that kind of works. Down below is like life, people doing life together. And um, it's funny, you know, when I Google the word church, just to see what images are out there, um, it's funny what comes up, right? Buildings come up. If you Google worship, rock concerts come up. Um, you know, if you Google Christianity, nothing but crosses come up. And it's an interesting little study because what Google does, I mean, it's, it's an algorithm, right? It just searches for what's popular, what's associated with what. That's what that, you know, service does, right? And so it's interesting because it sort of gives us an impression of what the culture understands these words to be visually. And so I just thought it was curious that there was no representation of, of a table. There was no representation, at least not in the first page or two, of something that looked familiar to me in terms of what it meant to gather and to be together. Um, and, and so this is kind of where I want to start. Now, I want to say um, a couple of things. One is that my favorite thing to talk about is actually to talk about Jesus, who, who Jesus is, to talk about God the Father, to explore what it means for the Holy Spirit to be present and moving in and among, amidst us, right? And... And so that's kind of, I just want to get to that, to that thing. And we're not, not talking about that this morning because ultimately everything that we do as a community is modeled on who, who God is. But the question remains, why are we here? What are we, what are we doing? And so now we can kick to the next slide here. And so just I, an examine, a bit of an examination, a question is what have, we, what have we gathered for? What do we gather for? And, you know, we're still kind of in a place. Oh, one other thing that I just want to say is that, um, at least for a little while, I'm going to say some fairly, what I think are probably some fairly obvious things about community, about culture. And it's not because I don't think that you don't, or it's not because I think that you don't know these things. Right? It's just so that we can kind of all know that we're on the same page. Some things are so important um, that it bears, it bears repeating. It bears speaking and saying. And so this is part of that for me. Um, so let's have it like, 
let's just, it, it, we'll see if we have this if, this, if this is a safe enough space yet, with me here anyway. What have we gathered for this morning? What, what is in our hearts as we come? You can shout it out if you're comfortable, and if not, that is totally okay. To worship God. Okay, that's a good one. Sorry? To experience God's presence. What else have we gathered here for? To learn. To, okay, yep. To learn more. To do it together. Okay. To be with people you like. Friendship. Okay, these are, these are bing, bing, right? Two things at the same time. That's cool. What else? To encourage one another. You see, I think having a sense of why we're, what we're coming to each other with, having that clear in our hearts, it informs what we experience and what we encounter, right? And there's this, um, this thing in life, it's called intention. And intention means that what we're doing is, we're, whatever we're doing, we're doing on purpose, Right? It's the difference between accidentally stumbling into something and intentionally walking somewhere. Right? These, are, these are not the same thing. And what we're going to have here is, in reality, as we gather, as we gather together, for myriad reasons, lots of different reasons, right? is we're going to, we're going to have people who are coming in here almost by accident. Right? Maybe somebody invited you know, a friend or a family member or whatever. Um, and that is amazing. That's actually often where the journey begins. The journey into community, the journey with Christ often begins accidentally. I did, I, that's my story. You know, I had no idea what I was getting into when I said yes to my friend to come and hang out at his youth group. I did not know what was coming next. It was completely unintentional on my part. Right, but for my friend's part, it was full of intention. And the vision that I have of of this community and the church at large is that as we kind of throw in together our stories, as we weave our stories together, that when we do that with intention, with purpose, when we know why we're here. And even when we allow that reason to, to begin to be shaped, right? Because we can come for one reason very intentionally. Some people really intentionally come to church because of a boy or a girl that they like. This has happened. This is not an uncommon story. That's lots of intention, but that intention then can start to be shaped and formed and molded. And so what are we here for? It's a really important question because it also gives it a sense of gravity. And one of the things that, um, that I'm aware of is that the role of the church in the world has shifted pretty dramatically. And for, by the way, for those of you who were out at Cambridge for um, the last sermon that I gave there, this will be similar. This, there's going to be some commonalities here. Um, I just think it's a good place to, to start, just like it was a decent place to leave. Um, 
you know, it's, it's an interesting time for the church in this, in this culture, right? Um, we have a, a, a culture that is busy, that is full of stuff. We have a culture that provides for us um, a lot of the things that... Um, so friendship, for example, is a reason for connecting, right? That's a powerful reason to be here, um, except that that is something that is on offer if, like in many different contexts in our culture, right? There was a time where to come together on a Sunday and gather together was that was where the community was. That was the hub of any community. And so it didn't matter kind of where you were in your walk with Jesus, you would go to church because this was your place of encountering other people, right? And, you know, in a lot of ways, I'm thankful that that's not the reality now on some level. It clarifies things. It allows us to, to you know, to, to understand, again, that question, why are, why are we here, right? Um, but part of what's happened as well that I've seen is that, As, the, as this idea of being in the church and gathering together has sort of shifted over the last 50 years, say, so has, in a lot of ways, our sense of it being a central part of how we encounter Jesus. And one of the words that has been popping around in my head lately is the word peripheral. Now, what peripheral is, so, hey, kids, I want, you to, um, I want you to all to look. I'm going to put my hand up like this. Adults, you can do this too. Okay. I want you to look at my fist. Okay. No. <laughs> you can look at your fist too. That's true. Okay. Is everyone looking at my fist? Okay. Now, while you're looking at my fist, do you see anything else that you can identify? Don't move your eyes away. But is there anything else that you can see? What do, you, what, do you, what do you see? You see Maya? Okay. What does anyone else see while they're looking at my fist? Something other than my fist. A screen? Yeah, what you got? My, my arm? Okay. No, it's a good answer. My face. <laughs> That's a good answer, too. What do you got? My microphone. Okay. So... While you're looking at my fist, all those other things that you're seeing, they're in what you call the peripheral. You're not looking straight at them, but they're still part of what you're seeing, right? Now, the further something moves away into the peripheral on the outside, the less clear it becomes, the less important it becomes, the less you're going to... And you'll know this when you've become a driver, right? Wherever you're looking at is where you're going, right? Here's a quick driving lesson. I don't know that there's anybody who's on the cusp of becoming a driver, but, like, if your car starts to spin, the best thing to do is to find out where you want to be and try to keep looking at that. That's a great way to get there, right? Look where you want. Don't look at the ditch. That's a bad idea, right? And what I've noticed is that in a lot of ways, our... Relationship to other people, to our brothers and sisters, to the church, has become more and more peripheral as a culture. And some of us, now here's what I know. I know that everyone who's here in this room, as far as I'm aware anyways, has paid some kind of price to be here. I know that you guys are here because you, because you love this community, 
right? I know that you're here because it's worth it to be here. And so on some level, it's like preaching to the choir, right? Um, But I also think that there's something about going, okay, just crystallizing, what am I focusing on? What is the focus of gathering? Um, Now, if we want to move to to the next slide here. So here's an interesting question as well that I think is worth asking. Is our relationship with the body of Christ, is that distinct, different from our relationship with God? No one wants to answer that question. Trick question. Yes and no. Explain. <laughs> um, do, do you want to give it a shot? No, I'm not going to put you on the spot if you don't want to. I'm going to put a, the mic on you so it captures on the recording. If that's well, they're both uh, part of the same um, two commandments that Jesus gave, which was to love the Lord your God with all your heart and your neighbor as yourself. And since we're technically neighbors sitting next to each other, um, there are two parts of the same commandment. They're distinct because he made a distinction, but, um, you know, there's also how can you say you love God if you don't demonstrate love to those around you? So there are two sides of the same coin, I'd say. Yeah, it's an interesting thing, right? Because... Um, w- I have, I've seen this, I've walked this out in my own life in different times, where I have my relationship with God that I am trying to cultivate and foster in a certain way, with certain practices or whatever, right? And then I have my connection to the, to the church. Now, I just want to say this. Um, you know, the church, I'm not, like, I'm assuming here that what we're talking about is kind of this gathering and this people, that's my assumption, but my recognition is that this is not exclusively what it looks like, right? It looks like a lot of different things for a lot of different people, a lot of different kinds of connections. But I think what I want to suggest is that regardless of what that looks like in, in specifically, there are certain things, there are certain core things that must be in place in order for it to be healthy in the kind of community that I think um, allows us to flourish into the purposes of God as a people, right? And so I just want to throw that out there, right? Like I understand that there are different ways of gathering. My assumption is that we're talking about this group of people. Um, and, you know, the next thing about this is this optional thing. And I, I hesitate with this language because the last thing I ever want to do is be manipulative, right? And kind of put like your Uh, connection to this body or whatever in front of your relationship with God. Like, that's manipulative and not helpful. But I also am torn because I think that there's a fundamental truth that says that apart from community, a community of Christ, um, we're really hard-pressed to follow God and to flourish into his purposes. Like, I just don't think there's any example of it anywhere in the scriptures. 
you can make an argument that for people who are in exile, who are in prison, who are removed from their communities forcibly, that there's a grace on them to continue to encounter God in a powerful way in that place. But even in those places, we see that there's a flourishing of the kingdom. Paul gets thrown into prison, and guess what? He's not the only Christian for long. Because that's what happens when the kingdom shows up, right? So there's this sense of belonging to one another. And one of the things that I just want to sort of throw out there, because I know it's part of the world we live in, is that when we individualize things, we can separate those things. And I've had conversations with people in, in my life, even recently, who kind of say, you know what, I love Jesus. I just, I just can't. I just can't stomach the people. And Bill Johnson teaches really good. He's, he's a great, you know, I, get, I can listen to that stuff. And he's always, listen, you guys, my intention is to become a great preacher and communicator, but I'll never be as good as Bill Johnson, you know, or, what, or pick your, you know, whoever. But I, oh, my heart always sinks when I hear that. Because gathering together, it does involve these different things, learning and study and cultivating our love of God and coming together to worship. But mm, there's something that is more, and it's modeled, and there's not an, ex- there's not an example in my mind that I can find that changes. Um, Oh, and the one scripture that I really wanted to read this morning, I deleted. Well, I'll just read it if I can find it. I might have even taken it out of my notes. And I'm terrible for my memory for these sorts of things. I think it's Colossians. Oh, oh, no, it's not. First John chapter four. You do. Oh, it's a different part of that though. Or no, <laughs> this is this is great. I don't believe that that is actually the scripture reference the, the, of, of what you're which, what you're reading there. I'm going to read this, okay? And this is heavy. This is a heavy passage. Whoever does not love their brother and sister, and this is by the way not. Sp- speaking specifically to the world or to our neighbor, the text here is referring to our Christian brothers and sisters. Whoever does not love their brother and sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. That's 1 John chapter 4. That's where that's found. That's hard. That's a difficult thing. And I have for a long time read that through the eyes of condemnation. I disqualify myself if I don't love the people around me well, right? Um, But recently, that started to shift for me, that reading, that understanding of, of the Scripture. And what started to shift towards was, rather than it being a condemnation, because you don't love your brother and sister, you're a liar. You don't love God. Right? To, because I haven't cultivated my capacity to love the people around me, I, I lack a capacity to love God. It's, a, it's like, 
Who, whoever, has anyone ever thrown their back out? Okay. Terrible experience, hey? Terrible experience. So you throw your back out, you're, you're flat on your back, and somebody calls you up and says, hey, listen, um, Adrian, I need to move this piano, and uh, I just really need your help. Can you come move the piano? And you say, dude, I'm, I'm really sorry, but I threw my back out. And I say, are you kidding me? Come on, man. I need your help right now. I have a piano that must be moved, and you're copping out on me, right? That's cruelty. There's nothing, there's no kindness in that. What a ridiculous way to, to look at that. And suddenly the lens shifted for me on this particular passage where all of a sudden it was, no, 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 no. The way that I increase my capacity to love God well is through learning to love the people around me well. And so when I start to look at it that way, all of a sudden gathering together with other people it becomes central to my capacity to love God well. Right? It becomes central to my capacity to love, I would even say, to love God clearly. Because, and, and we've probably seen this, we can probably think of examples where people have isolated from community, but they love God, but slowly over time, their image of God has become a lot more like who they are, like they've shaped God in their own image. Because that also starts to happen outside of community, right? Where we have to, we have to wrestle and, and um, I mean, the thing about the church is that we could do a poll on any number of topics in the room and, and find out that we have a pretty broad variance of opinions, lots of different opinions existing in this space, right? And so we can either shun that, right? Or we can wrestle through that in community. And my contention is that that is actually part of what it looks like to love God well. And to create a capacity where I must now reconcile my community with my understanding of who God is and grow in that place. And I think that that's a little bit more what's being driven at here. So that we have a capacity to love God, to love the Father, to love the Son, to love the Holy Spirit, to love Jehovah, like to, to anchor back so we're not just creating some happy, clappy Jesus who just agrees with us in everything we do. Community helps us not go there. lots more that I can say. I'm just going to, um, if you want to just go to the, the slide that's, uh, that says God is by nature community. It's right towards the end. Okay. This is a really important thing, and this was mind-blowing to me. Um, and this may, be not, this may not be news to you. Maybe you're already very aware of this idea. But I spent a lot of years really confused about what in the world is going on with this Trinity idea of God. And for those of you who don't know, I don't want to assume that everyone knows what that word is. We speak of a God and his one but is, is, is three distinct 
parts but one, you know, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And the Son is the window. If you see the Son, you see the Father. And the Holy Spirit is Jesus' Spirit. You know, but we say that we have this God in three parts, this Trinity, this... It's complicated. Anyone who, anyone who can explain it to you clearly, I don't trust them. Right? I don't trust them at all. Run. Um, but the most helpful thing, as I've contemplated this and, and just encountered some, some wonderful ideas around this, is this idea that God is in community with himself. That there is a dance of personality, that there is a dance of, of, of um, individuality. There's these expressions of who God is. And, and what we see there is actually community. So here's the thing. We can, God can only be reduced to th- like no further than three parts. We can't, you know how you look through a microscope and and as you look through a microscope, every level you see more and you see more and you see, you know, and you go deeper and deeper and deeper. And it's like, okay, so are the cells the the final verdict on the human body? No, no. Then we get into, you know, particles and just keeps on going and it keeps on going. Well, we cannot further reduce the person of God any further than three parts. So God himself is built into community, Right? And I want to close with this. And again, this is just tone-setting stuff. This is just to say that I think this stuff really matters, you guys, this gathering together. And we're, we've got time. We've got time to talk about, okay, specifically, what does it look like? What does it look like for flourishing? What does it look like for the church to be a hospital for the broken? What does it look like for the church to be um, uh, caught up in the mission of God and seeing the kingdom come? These are all these are all parts of things we get to talk about and, and celebrate together and explore. But I want to finish with this. John 17, verse 20 to 23, if you want to pull that up. And Jesus is praying here. He's getting towards the end of his story. And Jesus says, my prayer is not for them alone. And by them, he's talking about his disciples and those people who are immediately surrounding him. My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message. So what that means, that means that the rest of what follows is directly pointing at you and me. This prayer was written for us, specifically with intention, no accident, Jesus says, I pray not just for my friends right now, but for all who will believe through their message. And that is us. That all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. This is critical to our mission. We go nowhere with justice if we do not understand that we are in a dance of community with God, right? It requires all of these parts in order to be um, healthy. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one. I in them and you in me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. 
Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. And we'll just close with this. There is no individualistic language. There is no me and God. Even between Jesus and his Father, even between the Son and the Father, it is not, there's no individualistic language. It is all intertwined. It is all unto something. It's not self. It's, it's not just about being a healthy trinity or being even a healthy church in God. He ties this into the health of the whole world. Right? The clarity of the gospel itself is woven into this thing that we have agreed to participate in together, being the community of God, being the church. And I I just, powerful, powerful stuff, this. Powerful reminder. And one more thing. The church, the capital C church, the historical church that Jesus is talking about here, the whole arc of history, everyone who believes, everyone who's part of this community, get your head around that. You can't. You cannot get your head around that. So my encouragement is that we allow our specific faces and names of the people around us to be the church. The church specifically. Not just a concept. We're not just part of some cosmic club. Right? Don, your face and your name is now part of how I understand the capital C church, right? We are in this thing together, right? There's something that is almost covenantal. I'm not going to get into that too much right now. We'll deal with that another day. But just an an invitation to say that this stuff matters and we're not playing games when we gather together. We're not a club. There's something far more powerful and life-altering going on. Cool? All right, let's pray. Kids, you guys are amazing again. You're just killing this thing. Jesus, thank you. Um, We invite you into this space. God, we invite you into the air that, that is between us. God, we invite you to be the filter that, it, that um, stands between each of us. God, that we would see each person in this room, each person who will be in this room, each room that this people will be in. <laughs> God, we invite your presence to be between us, not as a division, but as a lens, as glue. God, make us a people, we pray. We invite your Holy Spirit in Jesus' name. Amen.